My pappy said, son, you're gonna drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. Race with the Fords and Lincolns were setting the pace. That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving that Model A. It's not a Lincoln motor and it's really souped up. That Model A body makes it look like a pup's got eight cylinders and uses them all. Got overdrive, just won't stall. With a four-barrel car with a dual exhaust, with four living gears, you can really get lost. Got safety tubes, but I ain't scared. The brakes are good, tires fair. Pulled out of San Pedro late one night The moon and the stars were shining bright He was driving up Grapevine Hill Passing cars like they was standing still Welcome in to Copper Joe On this fine here Monday I'm Seb Shirey Filling in here with Tyler Maines And Aiden Dollins for our fearless leader Joe Gaither Taking a much needed vacation uh, Guys, a lot of sports going on Plenty to talk about Plenty to talk about But as an NASCAR fan, I was not there. That being said, I am here with two people who were in Talladega, Alabama yesterday for, of course, the big race. So, guys, you know, give me your thoughts. What were your, what were your race thoughts? You know, good race. How, was, how did you feel the ending went down? You know, just give me it all. Always a bad time when Kyle Busch wins. We have first a man thought who will disagree it. with you right here. But. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but I, I love Kyle Busch, so I was... Very happy to sitting there by the uh, start-finish line yesterday when the last lap and that caution came out for him to win it. It was a great race altogether, though. Um, you know, not much complaints on that front. A uh, ton of great racing, some great block, or some not so great blocking by Bubba Wallace there at the end to wreck him and Ryan Blaney out of the race, pretty much seal the deal for Kyle Busch. But yeah, overall, great race, great great uh, experience and. Uh, the atmosphere was amazing and electric as always. Tyler, when you would uh, sit there at like, you know, six in the morning on Saturdays, eating your cereal, getting ready to go to the soccer fields or whatever as a kid, and you're watching wacky races on Boomerang, were you rooting for Dastardly Dan? Is that what you were doing? <laughs> That's what it took. <laughs> See, here's the thing. I, I am a Kevin Harvick lifelong fan. Kevin Harvick has been my racer since I started caring about NASCAR as like a five-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. That being said, I don't like Kyle Busch. That also being said, I think a lot of the hate that has been levied towards Tyler is a little unfair. I think, the, you know, everyone needs fans. Kyle Busch is one of the best racers in the world. Of course, he's going to have fans, you know, and you got to give him credit. He is who he is, and that's he's kind of a heel. He's been somewhat of NASCAR's heel for, you know, two decades now almost, and he's a really good heel. I mean, he plays the part well, but he's also a tremendous race car driver. I mean, look at his track record. He's on pace to be one of the all-time greats. And, you know, he doesn't show really signs of, I'd say, slowing down. I mean, look what he just did yesterday. So, you know. Uh, he lucked his way into that one. I mean, yeah. yeah. He, he, yeah he admitted that, that in the post-race not, yeah. interview. He said he, he lucked into it. He wasn't going to sugarcoat that. There was nothing he did at the end of the race to get him a win or anything. Yeah. He said that. But I don't know. I just like Kyle Busch because he he goes in with a I don't give a crap attitude and he'll, he'll say need, it how it need, is. Rowdy. Need a few players like that. I'll get I'll give you that all day. My my beef with him comes from like he he makes his podcast rounds and everything, and I just like every time he opens his mouth on one of these podcasts, I'm just like, dude, you're you're a jackass. I think it's 
for for me at least when i see a lot of guys doing like post race interviews or post game interviews or whatever sport it is a lot of the time it's sugar coated and you don't really get um it's like most of the time it's oh yeah we had a great game shout out to my teammates blah 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 and all that fun stuff and kyle bush says it how it is if somebody wrecks him out of the race you, you call him out on it well, so speaking of needing to root for people that don't really have fans, I feel like I was doing that a little bit. You know, I'm a bit of a NASCAR neophyte, so y'all correct me if I'm wrong here. But I walked into that super speedway, and my guy was 18 seconds from the lead position at the point that I arrived in my seat. Ty Gibbs is who I pull for, mainly because I'm a massive Redskins fan. You can and no longer Joe, give you can no longer give me anything for rooting for Kyle Busch. Joe Gibbs, Ty Gibbs is the ultimate guy in my sporting history. So you know, I, I was really enjoying that back third of the race, that final stage with Ty Gibbs and Ryan Blaney just really vying for first place. There is is it is it consistent at Talladega, guys? That the cars on the inside line are consistently going to be running the faster laps? Is that a, is that a rule of Talladega? Like, it changes. Why would- it changes every year. I mean, some years you'll get... Um some years will get a lot of rubber down on the front, on the top of the racetrack, um, and that top line will be dominant. And there's some times where you can't even run the bottom. I mean, we got lucky yesterday where both, both lanes were pretty equal and pretty dominant at the same time. Most years, there's really one lane where if you're... If you want to get to the front, you got to be in that lane. Um, and the other lane is kind of just there, not really doing much, just hanging around in the back of the pack. So, uh, yeah, yesterday was perfect, great racing, dead even on the lanes. Um, not a complaint in the world, honestly. I think, I think we got the cars going a little faster than we could have expected, honestly. It was beautiful temperature and air quality for those motors. I mean, anybody that's oh, yeah. spent time around a shop knows the ideal temperature to take your nice car out is about 60, 65 degrees. It got a little and, chilly there at the end, too. It got a little chilly, yeah. We put, we put the baby under the blanket before we left. Oh, uh, there you go. She conked out 14 rows back from all those screaming V8s. That's a heavy sleeper right yeah, there. See, this baby in, the, in this seat didn't bring a sweatshirt, so he was not having a good time that <laughs> end of the race. Well, how, how was it from, from your perspective? I mean, like, you were down there closer to the checkered flag than I was. Yeah, I was. we were uh, about 10 rows up from the start-finish line itself, um, which was pretty good. I mean, I've, I've gone to the race a few times now, so I know that's the place you want to be at the end of the race. You know, see the donuts at the end of the race and... Um, post-race interviews and all that fun stuff so um yeah the the, the start finish line in my eyes is the place to be if you're going uh at least find yourself there at some point in the race doesn't have to be the whole race we sat up in the upper deck second deck for the first two stages i think um and then after that we moved down to the start finish line for some good racing and it was yeah i mean watching it on tv i certainly got the vibe that you know, Talladega is always seeming, it's one of the best environments in NASCAR, you know, period. And that's someone who went to, you know, Richmond. Richmond's got a great environment. I, I'm not going to, you know, say anything bad about Richmond, but Talladega is just a different level. I mean, it truly is just the spectacle of NASCAR. And I mean, that being said, the race, the end of the race was very much something that I think we were maybe getting used to with super speedways and NASCAR. Uh, if you look at Daytona and you just look at the way these cars have seemingly ran, you know, to Aiden's point about, you know, the inside line and the, uh, Tyler's point about the line shifting, the cars have been different. I mean, over the past yeah. few years, drastically different. And uh, I, I got, you got, you got to think that that's part of what, you know, caused so many of these wrecks this year. I mean, some of it was sure driver error, 
but, and there was certainly plenty of it, but you know, you see this many problems with dudes just coming into pit lane. I mean, so many wrecks of dudes just trying to get onto pit lane and, you know, dudes are out of the race. And I just can't remember it happening at such a high level that so many routine things seemed so hard for the drivers. Yeah. I mean, you're right. There is a lot of, um, there's still a lot of learning and going on in the garage area. Cause, um, I mean, Bubba Wallace said it after the race. He said when he wrecked, uh, trying to block Ryan Blaney there at the end of the race on the last lap, um, you know, five more years of experience on the super speedways in that car, he probably doesn't wreck that. But because this is the second year and only maybe fourth, fifth time that they've actually raced in a super speedway car in this new car, um, you know, they're still learning. They're, they still don't know what's what's the limit of the car. What can the car take? And you were talking about the the easy wrecks, the avoidable wrecks. I mean, guys were spinning out on pit road, trying just trying to slow down to get to pit road. So I think over time, those those problems will fix themselves. Um, yeah, they're still learning. This this new car is everyone's still learning about it. It's it's a weird one, that's for sure. Well, and, and this is something, again, you know, I say as a NASCAR neophyte, you know, I'm not going to pretend to be an authority on the sport, but when they brought in the next-gen car, what was it, two years ago? Yeah. Something like year. that? Yep. You know, I, I didn't understand why you would make so many drastic changes to a vehicle at once. I mean, you know, I'm far from a professional driver, but, you know, I don't really like doing 75, 80 miles an hour on 5920 heading to Mountain Brook to go to the Trader Joe's in a vehicle that I'm not familiar with, let alone doing 194 miles an hour around a 2.66 mile track. You know, you and they don't get, I don't, I don't know, maybe this is a false perception I have. I don't think a lot of people realize how little actual practice time yeah. they get with these automobiles like they do the simulators and everything but that's not the same you don't get you, you don't get the there's same no practice learning. for daytona there's no practice yeah and that, and that's it, it seems reckless to me to change the car that much that quickly given those constraints on your practice abilities yeah and it was it was definitely a level of concern last year when they brought practices back because they initially they did out with practices during COVID just to save time and, you know, exposure and all that. Um, but when they brought it back last year, there was a lot of, you You really had no idea what was going to happen because a lot of these guys hadn't driven the cars before. It was totally new. Um, the shifting was new. The pedals were new, everything. Um, but yeah, to your point, they. It, it is weird that they brought all those changes on at once. I mean, a progressive change in car is something that they've done in the past. I'm surprised they didn't do that this year, but I think most of it was just a cost-saving thing for teams just to make more of the field competitive. So those backmarker teams, the teams that'll, that only have one racer instead of four garages, um, give them a chance to win a race and increase the, your fan exposure that way, I guess. Yeah, it's that's the thing that I thought of when I saw, you know, these routine you know, instances of guys just trying to come in and pit and you had I think on back-to-back groups coming in there were spinouts um and one of them resulted in a caution. So, you know, it, you got to look at the cars and just the inexperience that the drivers have on super speedways, I think as the biggest reason why. That being said, it was still a fun race as just a TV viewer. I'm sure it was super fun in person for y'all. Um, of course, Kyle Busch was the winner. 
Uh, Ryan Blaney came in second, Chris Busher third, Chase Briscoe fourth, and Brad Keselowski came in fifth. Brad Keselowski, man, he he runs well at Again, Dega. came out of nowhere. Was like yeah, towards the back of yeah, the pack the majority race. of the race. Yeah, exactly. And that's just, that is super speedway racing, but especially the way that that race ended uh, is definitely, I mean, why and Kyle the, Busch and, and won. The first, the first like 95 laps out there, this looks like, this looked like it was Chase Elliott's race to lose and he doesn't even finish in the top 10. Yeah, that's how it goes. Crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's just, that's how it goes a lot of times on a Talladega, on a Daytona. Um, you know, what, what do y'all want to move on to next here? You want to talk some NBA playoffs? Sure. Yeah. Let's get into Let's it. Do it. Well, all right. I'll just go ahead and get into it because, man, I could talk about the NBA playoffs. I'm a Knicks fan. Yesterday was... I mean, glorious, one of the best time, time sports out. days of my Justify life. This. Justify what? Justify being a Knicks fan. You live you live 90 minutes from Washington, D.C. Yeah, and uh, more like two and a half hours. But I will say this. No one cares about the Wizards. That's not unfair. No one cares about the Wizards. But you live and die with your home city's team. Justify this no Knicks one fan. In my family, you just draw it out of a hat or something? No, no one in my family cared at all about the NBA. There was absolutely no NBA allegiance, no fanship in my family whatsoever. So 11-year-old me not caring about the NBA, my friends care about the NBA. I'm playing 2K with them. You know, I don't have a team to pick. Um, I don't really, you know, LeBron was obviously a star, but, you know, I wasn't just going to be this big bandwagon guy. So I kind of hopped on the bandwagon that uh, Carmelo Anthony hopped on. And about the time when Carmelo Anthony joined up with the Knicks was about when I started saying the Knicks were my team. Okay. Uh, All right. So that was my reasoning. And I basically, I played with them in 2K. I, you know, liked Carmelo Anthony. I had some mellow shoes. Uh, so that was basically my rationale. I latched on back then. They went to one, they won one single playoff series, and then it was it's been about ten years of absolute mediocrity, if not downright awfulness. You might as well have been a Wizards fan. Pulled for the home Ex- team. Exactly. But that being said, Wizards are not in a good spot right now, and the New York Knicks are up three to one on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Looking good. The series is not done. It's not done. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Don't the Cavaliers man, have a history with three one with three one holes? Yep. You are correct, but they're you're, they're missing a certain key component that might have you know fueled that. Colin Sexton, one, obviously. One LeBron James, uh, but you know, yeah, I'm not like I said. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But yesterday was man, one of the best basketball days of my life. Um, it was just glorious to watch MSG buzzing. Um, Jalen Brunson, man, I'm, I'm going to be honest. During the offseason, I thought, you know, yes, this is a decent deal for a guy who's obviously a rising star. But I was a little concerned that, you know, his dad being part of the staff was kind of the reason the deal got done. You know, I was kind of thinking, you know, nepotism, eh, like it might not be the best thing. But man, was I wrong. Because Jalen Brunson has been the best thing for New York maybe in the last 20 years. I mean, he has truly been the missing piece that, you know, a couple, the Knicks made the playoffs a couple years ago with a better seed, I might add. You know, Julius Randle is obviously the, the guy who's going to make the All-NBA team. Julius Randle has carried this team. Um, granted, he's got... When when the Knicks made it two years ago, it was much more Julius Randle central. It was Julius Randle became the most improved player in the league, 
put the team on his shoulders and the Knicks made the playoffs lost in the first round to the Atlanta Hawks this year. He's got Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle's hurt. Julius Randle didn't even play that well at all yesterday. Not a problem. You know, Jalen Brunson steps up. Mitchell Robinson steps up. Josh Hart steps up. These guys, you know, that fill in the gaps are so much better. And man, this team is exciting. I mean, man, is it. If, and it feels so good to say that. Knicks fans, you know, you ask any Knicks fan over the last decade, there's not been much to be excited about. But man, this team, R.J. Barrett coming into his own almost. I mean, still not shooting, uh, you know, his jump shots aren't that great, but driving to the basket with purpose, getting to the rim, getting fouled, getting, you know, making whatever he wants. It just, oh, it feels so good. Is it just me or does this year almost seem like one of those years where the NBA playoffs is just going to be so spectacularly amazing? I I have no business why. It could be. I mean, with the Knicks, the Kings, I mean, that story over there in Sacramento is just unreal. They've got a, they're putting where's up a game fight seven? against the where's Warriors. Where's game seven in that se- series? Sacramento. Okay. Exactly. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's a dead even series right now. Because that's what it's going to come down to. And exactly. it's going to come down exactly. to a game seven in Sacramento, and those fans and the are going to be rowdy. On the road. They can't. No. They can't do it. And I don't think very many teams can win in Sacramento right now. I don't think so. I also mean, that place, is, that place is unreal right now. Yeah. That being said, how many teams can win an Oracle? So, you know, getting right, let's just jump right into that series. Um, you know, so Knicks up 3-1 on the Cavs. Golden State and Sacramento, one of the, maybe the, I mean, obviously I'm biased as a Knicks fan, but Golden State-Sacramento is the best series going on right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, as far as just sheer watchability, sheer pure hooping, pure basketball. Um Man, it's it's tied up. It's 2-2 now. You know, you obviously had Sacramento win those two home games to start off the series. Everyone's thinking Golden State's in trouble. You know, Draymond, of course, gets ejected and suspended. You know, it's looking like the defending champs are on the ropes. They could, could they could they get swept in the first round? And of course, once that once the series gets back to San Francisco, they take care of business um, and they take care of business convincingly. Really, I mean, not I wouldn't say convincingly. They were tight games. At least yesterday was extraordinarily tight. It came down to, of course, a Harrison Barnes missed three pointer. Uh, you know, as time expired and. It, as tight of a game as it was, the Warriors were kind of in control. Did, did y'all watch that game? Did, did y'all? I, I, oh, well, y'all were at the race. Yeah, Never, we mind. The, Never mind. Never mind. So we had something race. else going yeah. on. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, well, that's fair. But I'll just I'll break it down for y'all. Basically, Golden State felt like they had that game for the duration. Uh, obviously, Sacramento went on some runs, narrowed it down, um, and they were more of a threat to win than maybe Golden State had been when they played in Sacramento. Uh, but Golden State, they're tough to beat, man. They're tough to beat there. And they proved that because now the series is tied up and we are looking straight in the face at this series going seven games. I think everyone would think, you know, and we not only do we, not only is it probably going seven games, it going seven games is the greatest gift to fans of basketball that you could want. I think you're absolutely right about that. I do think we should go ahead and get to our first break here. And when we come back on the other side, we've got that man, Jeff in Tennessee. And this is Cup of Joe here on Tide 100.9. It's your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.
Keeping their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia, who serves our community in so many different capacities. It's the great restaurant, Northport, Northside, right off McFarland Boulevard, right past Highway 43. You'll find the great lunch and dinner specials Monday through Saturday. It's Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food. From the fajitas to the combinations to the great Pastor's Dip that you've got to try at Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon. Tuscaloosa's high around 70. Tonight, fair and cool with the low at 43. Or tomorrow, partially sunny the chance of a shower by mid to late afternoon. Showers are more likely tomorrow night, the high 72. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play. And take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. Welcome back into Cup of Joe on this Monday morning, a little midday madness. We've been talking about some NASCAR. We've been talking about some NBA. We have a caller. We got Jeff from Tennessee on the line. Jeff, what is going on, man? I don't lie. How you guys doing? You enjoying the you enjoy the 35 degree weather this morning? We're, yeah, I mean, it, it was chilly for sure. I got a long a long shirt on, pretty thick shirt. Um, but it, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm taking it. I'm appreciating it now because Lord knows in a few weeks, if not in less than a week, it will be hopelessly hot again well we're about, about the middle of may it'll be 95 you'll be on Sunday. oh yeah 95. we'll be missing the 35 degree morning absolutely <laughs> when it's 95 you'll be about 200 percent you'll be 
I just wish I could either leave my plants outside or bring them back inside and not have to be bringing them out and in, out and in, out and in all the time. That's well, all, all I, I want. All you, all you got to do is get something to cover them up. Just get something to cover them up. Cover them up. It's cold like that. It's only a few hours. Just put something on them. And it'll be, uh, you know, be okay, I guess. Well, my, my girlfriend's got these really sensitive plants, Jeff. You know, she's got, oh, okay. well, she well, got the know. touchy ones, the high-maintenance well, plants. One of those well, where you have to know, give them well, exactly well, enough you know, water. Right. Well, you, well, you know, well, you know women's going to have those plants. Have the, have the plants reflect her to some degree. Well, I mean, well, I don't know about it. I'm gonna, I wouldn't get into that now. I wouldn't be. That'd be that's, 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 called, that's called a fight waiting to happen there. You don't be doing that now. Hey, she oh, don't I, listen. Well, well, I know y'all watch that exciting spring games there. How was it? Yeah, it was a good game of two-hand touch. You know, I, I saw at times they were playing one-hand touch, actually. It was a little bit like, you know, playing airsoft. You know, people were getting tagged and not not fessing up to it and keeping the play going. But uh, there were about 60,000 people in there, Jeff. The whole lower bowl of the stadium was filled. It was a it was a fun little time. Well, I was going to say, I, I believe Ty Simpson is going to be a start quarterback anyway. So I believe he'll be the, he'll be the one. You, you do know you do, you do know his daddy is, right? Ah, okay. Hey, how was you know, Kentucky's spring know, game? Y'all, y'all. You can, do know, you do know who Ty Simpson's father, right? You know who his father is. No, no, I didn't know who his dad was. Jason, Jason Simpson coached UT Martin. Okay, his okay. His father. He, he played. You know, I Martin. think I remember that now. He played. He played at Martin West in Tennessee. But Martin West, one day, I think he won. I think he won state. I think he got the finals or won a state title. I can't remember now, but we're a good, we're a good quarterback. I mean, I think he's going to be a starting quarterback. I don't know why he wouldn't be. I don't know. Well, he he looked the most well-rounded out of everybody out there, from what from from my perspective. You know, um, obviously they were both they both were playing with one hand tied behind their back because they can't just run all over the defense because they're not allowed to get tackled. So yeah, it'd be yeah. interested to see. I'd be interested to see what both of them look like against Middle Tennessee unrestricted. I think we're going to get a first half starter and a second half starter. Oh and yeah, see what happens. Well, I, while I'm open, my I'm already going to play full court, y'all. We'll uh, we have to see on that when they uh, you know we'll see on that we we we've uh, we've got a pretty good pretty good quarterbacks pretty good players too so we'll uh, we'll see we we beat uh, we beat two or three of the five four basketball teams this year San Diego State and Ford Atlantic some of them so we uh, you know we uh, we'll uh, you know we did that did that pretty well this year during during basketball season but I did want to give a shout out to my Kentucky Wildcats the men's tennis tournament champions first time in 31 years they beat. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, and Georgia to win it. So, okay, but how'd your wheelchair tennis team do, Jeff? That's oh, what I really have, want to we know. Don't, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have a wheelchair, but, but y'all do because we beat y'all for nothing. So y'all might well just go, go back home. Y'all. <laughs> there's not, not, there's not y'all, much of a point. Y'all shouldn't, even, y'all shouldn't even drove off the tournament. Y'all just stay in Tuscaloosa because y'all just lost the first round. Oh, you, you got you to give the kids the travel. You know, they, they put in the work all year. You at least got to let them take a vacation to the to well, the yeah, wonderful yeah, Lexington, yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, no, no, it was at Auburn. It wasn't the legs of Auburn. Oh. oh, yeah, they should have stayed home. This, You're right. This is the SEC term we're talking about. But, but, but Kentucky was a national runner-up last year. They were, they, they runner-up. It was, it was Kentucky. It was Kentucky and Ohio State and Tennessee and Virginia. And Kentucky, Virginia played the finals. And Virginia won the national well, championship. So Kentucky, well, good, good, Kentucky, good for the Wildcats. They got Kentucky, the, going, Kentucky going into the going into the tournament was ranked number five. Georgia was ranked number four. Georgia hadn't lost all year in the SEC until Sunday until I'm, I'm happy to hear that, Jeff. I'm glad to know you have at least one sport on campus that's well, nationally see, relevant. Let's see. <laughs> let's see. Volleyball's one of the best championships, too. We, 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 when we play y'all, when we come to Tuscaloosa, 
All we got to do is show you the championship ring. Y'all just fold. Y'all just, hey, just beat Arkansas Jeff, are you softball. Gonna, are you going to come sit next to us with the hot dog? I, I'll, I'll buy you the hot dog. We got you, man. When, 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 when is this? I don't know. Whenever, whenever y'all's volleyball team comes down. That's well, I mean, we'll, we'll come down and beat y'all 3-0. It'll be pretty fast. Y'all have to give me a quick hot dog. It'll be a fast match. It'll be pretty quick. We'll beat y'all pretty bad. So. We don't do a lot of things quickly here in Tuscaloosa, but we do do hot dogs. Hot dogs. Well, we are do hot dogs and volleyball real fast. Y'all ain't very good. So. How, how do you how do you take your hot dog? Do you want it like burnt all the way around? Like my no, mother I, will I, not I eat went, a hot dog went, unless it's burnt went, all the way around. I, I want I want just slightly slightly cooked little little mustard and ketchup, and that's about it. Maybe some chili, but mustard and ketchup. Do you do you eat boiled hot dogs, Jeff? No, I don't eat boiled. I, I just want I, I don't want it burnt. I don't want it burnt. Jeff, Jeff are you a relish guy or no? Uh, I can't, but I don't like it. I can't do relish. That's got to be some high-quality relish for Jeff. I don't, yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Maybe, maybe some chow chow. Maybe some chow chow. Ooh. Is there any, like, uniquely Kentucky topping for a hot dog? Uh, no. Not that I know of. Okay. But there is there, there is a unique, unique drink you can go over. Well, they, they sell them all over now. L.A., you can get one of those. Best, best, best cold in the bottle, so. Well, they need a lot. Of, they need a lot of unique drinks up in Kentucky for how many yeah, losses yeah, they have. Yeah, usually. they do. They got a lot of unique bourbon. They do. They do that good like brown that. stuff pretty well up there. Yeah. Yeah. They. Yeah. They got a lot of unique, unique things up there. A lot, a lot of championships too. Y'all come up. Come up and see our trophies now. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come up and y'all, check out the tennis y'all, team's y'all, trophy y'all, case. See, see if y'all have a football team by September. We'll see, see if y'all don't forfeit against Bill Tennessee. Y'all, see if y'all have a football team by then. See All right. We'll, we'll, come, we'll come down there and beat y'all. Hang in there, guys. See you. Roll Tide, Jeff. Jeff. See ya. That was a solid Jeff call. Yes, sir. You got to love a good uh, hot dog conversation. I will say, uh, Kentucky does not have a topping, but very close by in Cincinnati, Ohio, of course. The oh, famous posh. Skyline Chili. I'm a big fan of a, sky, a good Skyline Chili dog. I got on the Skyline Chili hate train for the playoff game against Cincinnati, and then I, you know what I did? I just never got off of it. I mean, it's it's not for everyone. I'll be the first to admit it's not for everyone. But I'm full like mayonnaise is spicy white, so I'm sure I can't have nothing there. Have you tried it at least? I'm, I've never been to Cincinnati, Ohio. So why then, why I are go? you why are you on the hate train? I go, if you I go to Akron on occasion, and like you know, that's have you just, ever at least had Skyline? No. Okay, well, you can't knock it until you try it. Then sure, I can. I'm doing it right now. You, I mean, it's dog water. It's not. That's it's, not justified. It's then. dog Literally, water with red food dye in a can of beans. No, it's it's not. There's not even beans in it. You just revealed yourself. There you go. What do you mean? Hey, you have chili with no beans? Because it's Cincinnati chili, dude. It's different. Different doesn't mean good. In this case, I think it does. But you know, we'll 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 let this chili debate, you know, go away because obviously we're not making any progress here. Um, All right, so let's get into some NFL draft talk. Obviously, NFL draft is coming up on us quick. I mean, it's this week. It's this Thursday. Three days! Uh, Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, you know, as a Saints fan, it's not super exciting, but, you know, it's something. It's always going to be, and obviously as a huge Alabama fan, it's always going to be interesting to see where guys like Bryce, Will, Brian Branch, where these guys end up. We should have asked Jeff where Kentucky fans were thinking Will Levis was going to go. We should have asked him that. Yeah. That would have been a great question. That would have been relevant. But, but we asked him about know, hot dogs instead. Yeah. Whatever, you know. <laughs> we really it know happens. our stuff here. It happens. I'll say, this. I'll say this, though. I'm tired of talking about Will Levis. If I'm being honest, I don't think Will Levis, Will Levis deserves the airtime. No. I really don't understand the whole, all the hype around Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I mean, the guys, they, they've shown that they're freak athletes. I mean, I think everybody in that draft can. I think everybody wants Will Levis to be the next Josh Allen. Oh, absolutely. Come in super absolutely. raw and get developed. That's they, what everybody's yeah. hoping for. 
I mean, these guys have never shown that they can win. Well, and that's just it. It's like, you know, Josh Allen, did he, was he rough at Wyoming? Yes. Yeah. But he won football games. I'm not when saying. When it came right down to it. Right. And I'm not saying Will Levis or Anthony Richardson are guaranteed busts. I think there's definitely work you can do in the NFL, especially with those teams where you can improve your game to a point where, you, where yeah, Josh Allen can go from a Wyoming school that wasn't great into arguably the top two quarterback in the NFL right now. So, Okay. Yeah. I mean, you disagree? Top two? Top five for sure. Who do you have at two behind Patrick Mahomes? Joe Burrow. All right. We're going to just. And then Jalen Hurts. Like, All right, no, we're not getting Myriad this. Let's, 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 we're going to get on a whole tangent. Let's just stick it to the draft. Will Levis and, I mean, I will say Will Levis and Anthony Richardson to a degree are people like just people just getting, you know, stars in their eyes about the dude's arm strength and, yeah. you know, maybe overseeding them and in the, in all the mocks. And I guess teams are actually looking at taking them there. That's well, why they're there. I think it's going to go well for Anthony Richardson because the way I see things playing out, Anthony Richardson goes to Seattle at five. Because right, Seattle doesn't intend to ever have the top five pick again, at least not in Pete Carroll's career. It right. made that very That's clear. True. You know, and you sort of lucked into this from upgrading your quarterback position because Geno Smith played better than Russ the last two years last season. So you got three years of a deal with Russ or with Geno Smith. You like Geno Smith legitimately. You're not settling for him. So you have no desire, no impatience to get Anthony Richardson out on the field. He's extremely raw. He needs to go somewhere that he can ride pine, develop, and learn for a little bit. And I think, I think, sorry, Seattle is exactly the place for that to happen. That I think he's going to have a wonderful draft. I think he's going to go to a great spot. Will Levis, he's going to get asked to start really quickly, and it's not going to go well. No, I don't think so either. I think it's going to be one of those teams that you. Really, you you really don't want to see him take a quarterback because you kind of like the quarterback that they have, but it, it probably will be um, maybe a Saints. There's not doesn't a, last. There is not a chance the Saints draft will love this. We, yeah, we're not even close to where he's going to be taken. I think there's no possi- there's no possibility of a trade up. Come on, I mean, draft what night. do they have to trade? We have Derek Carr. Where I think the Saints are good. I, the attitude amongst the Saints right now is we have our quarterback. I, I really think Las Vegas is a legitimate place to look at Will Levis landing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you I can't, think you, you can't I think trust be, Jimmy G to make it through a no, season. No, and you can't trust him to be a game-changing quarterback either. Well, Josh McDaniels doesn't feel that way, but well, he does look at the injury history. Exactly. He's got some degree of sense. Right. So I think, I think Will Levis sitting under Jimmy G for, you know, a half a season or a season will be good for him. Unfortunately, like you said, I think it might be one of those situations where uh, somebody gets hurt or uh, some freak happens and Will Levis is asked to come right in and start. I don't think it's going to be pretty. Now, I think now the right. beauty of that situation for Will Levis is if you start as the day one backup or third string quarterback, you know, maybe even Jarrett Stidham's ahead of you on the depth chart. Is he still in? Uh, he might have gone somewhere, but I think he might still be in Vegas. So. If Will Levis ends up having to go in for an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, then the narrative isn't, oh, Will Levis can't hang. Will Levis isn't, doesn't have it. The narrative is now Will Levis, because of things that happen in football, was asked to come in too early, 
Maybe he's going to go back to riding pine next season again. People are going to be more patient with him if he falls on his face. See, in my mind, I think if you if you're worthy, if teams deem you worthy of a first round pick, I think you need to be a day one starter. I, I think it's kind of silly in my mind to take somebody in the first round. I mean, Jordan Love is the poster child for my argument here. Why are you taking somebody in the first round if they're not going to play football for you on week one? Well, the Packers are run by a public trust. And that public trust has to look at what's worked for the team in the past and make the decisions based on that. Your quarterback is getting to the point, you know, quarterbacks playing as long as Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers have is the exception, not the rule. Even as we push that age limit further and further higher. Even Patrick Mahomes. Right. You know, um, but I think they made a good decision given how that has worked out for their team in the past. You know, the Aaron Rodgers transition from Brett Favre was pretty dang seamless. Yeah, for the Packers at least, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to consider all this. One thing that I think is going to factor into this quarterback sweepstakes whole toss-up thing is Trey Lance. Is what happens with the 49 What do the 49ers do with their quarterback situation? Because essentially, as of right now, they have two NFL starting quarterbacks on their roster. And I think, at least how they feel, is they were going to go with the proven thing, and they want Brock Purdy to be their quarterback of the future. So, you know, what team is going to go out and get Trey Lance? And how does that maybe, you know, is it one of the teams that's looking at, oh, Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or Bryce Young or CJ Stroud? You know, could could that factor in and really shake things up? Because I personally, I could see Trey Lance being a draft day trade kind of scenario. I think he will be dealt on or I, I think I think he'll be dealt before Thursday night starts. Um, but it could happen during the first round at some point. Um, the only team I've really heard making any scuttlebutt about Trey Lance is the Minnesota Vikings. But I think people are blissfully ignoring the fact that the Baltimore Ravens need a quarterback. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. Do they even know that? <laughs> at this point, it's too big of a question mark to leave unanswered going into the stage of the NFL offseason after the draft. You also got to think, you know, Thursday night's right around the corner. Right. What are the Jets and Packers doing? I mean, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, because if I'm the Jets. I think Goods Goods is doing to Aaron what Aaron's done to him for oh, three yeah. years. I think that's what, I think the deal gets done, like, as the clock strikes midnight. If I'm the Jets, I'm, I'm, I'm upset at the fact that we don't have an answer yet. And it's. Monday afternoon now in New York. Be be as upset as you want. That's how it works sometimes. I don't care. I'm not a Jets fan, but I'm just saying it, it, that's that's got to be a tough spot to sit there in your warm room yeah. on Thursday morning getting ready for this big, this huge draft for your team. I mean, the Jets are a Super Bowl contender if they can get their picks right and get some more talent on that on that offense. But I, that would that would really screw with my head if I if I didn't know who my quarterback was going into draft night. I think the only I think the only thing that I think this will come down to the Jets have the thirteenth pick. Sounds about right. I, and I, and I think really the issue becomes they don't want to give up two first round picks for a forty year old quarterback. They'd rather only give up one. If somebody that Green Bay really, really, really wants is on the board at 13 that they did not think would be on the board at 13, that might be enough for them to go ahead and pull trigger and lean towards the Jets' desired compensation in this deal. Speaking of draw of players dropping to um, those mid-teen ranges, um, CJ Stroud had an interesting weekend. And, 
you know, that new, um, I guess they're not doing the Wonderlick test anymore. It's this new cognition test. Yeah, I forget the exact name of it. It's it's a short little acronym. It's the S2 test. S2, S2. That's, what, that's it was. what it is. Okay. Um, yeah, the S2 test. Yeah. yeah, but they said CJ Stroud uh, tested, well, he was, he was one of the lowest test scores they've ever, they've ever received. I mean, just for just for sake of uh, the argument, Bryce Young, 98% on the test. Pretty good. Will Levis, 93%. Uh, Anthony Richardson, 79%. CJ Stroud, 18%. Now, I don't know what goes into that test. I was say, is it a percent or is it like a score? I mean, it, I think it scores. Okay. Yeah. Who knows how it works? I don't know if it scores or percentiles. Either way, 18% is not very good. Um, and then somebody who, uh, I forget exactly who it was. Um, I think it was Bob McGinn, um, said that anybody who's ever scored that low has never panned out in, in the league has never played well. That's all well and good. And I think the Colts still do it at four. That's all well and good too. I, this test is like brand new. Like, what precedent? How much precedent is there for dudes not scoring well and then By the playing way, bad? Are we eliminating any chance that CJ Stroud was like hung over as hell for this test for whatever reason? Not that that's a good look Maybe either. Maybe he has but test anxiety. Maybe he has test anxiety. Which that's a legitimate thing. That's also thing. not a good look for a quarterback who you need to be clutch. But you know, all things considered, like I think, yeah, I think. It's interesting to see this whole big reaction. You know, one wonder, one might wonder, which I certainly am. What is like? What are the hidden? You know, what are the hidden hands in all this? Who is trying to put this information out there? Is there some team that's like trying to get like desperately trying to get CJ Stroud to fall to them, or you know, something like that? Or maybe it's a move by some agent who's disgruntled with them, or something. Like who knows? Like it's been interesting to see because I mean. Sure, it's a bad test score, but it, you know there's almost no precedent for this test. Obviously, the Wonderlick was a thing, but this isn't the Wonderlick. Before we get to break here, do you guys think there's an outside chance the Texans leaked it to get back at him for hiring the same agent as Deshaun Watson? Hey, you never know. I wouldn't put it past him. NFL's a shady business. Texans have had a whole lot of shady stuff going around in that organization, too. But, yeah, yeah. we'll we'll have a break. Uh, when we come back, we got plenty more to talk about. You're listening to Cup of Joe on Time 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia, who serves our community in so many different capacities. It's the great restaurant, Northport, Northside, right off McFarland Boulevard, right past Highway 43. You'll find the great lunch and dinner specials Monday through Saturday. It's Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food, from the fajitas to the combinations to the great Pastor's Dip that you've got to try at Pastor's Kitchen Mexican Food with Pastor Garcia. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiasts, and athletes are fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Fiore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. It's Mark's Mark in downtown Northport. If you want to dominate the grill today or any day, I know weather has changed here in West Alabama, but many of you still want to get out in front of the grill 
How about it's a great steak, a pork chop, a chicken swirl, salmon swirl, the twice-baked potatoes, the casseroles, the dips, the appetizer, the cakes, the pies. It's Mark's Mark, all the local seasoning, things that you will not find anywhere else. You'll find it at Mark's Mark, downtown Northport under that Roll Tide Bridge. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can rent the latest Toyota models for a day, a week, or a weekend. Every Toyota rental car comes with 24 hours roadside assistance and is backed by an entire team of people you know and trust. Rent a Toyota and let's go places. Reserving yours is a breeze at TuscaloosaToyota.com. The best station in the state, breaking down Alabama's Sports Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Joke. Hey, I hear the voice of a preacher from the back room. Call him a name and then follow just to find you. I trace the fade to a broken down television and put on the weather. And I've trained myself to get. Welcome back into Cup of Joe. This is about 11.47 here on a nice Monday morning. Beautiful weather here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Beautiful weather. So we kind of did save the best for last a little bit here, or at least the most relevant for last. We did obviously mention it, hint at it with Jeff from Tennessee earlier, in the, our caller. But guys, we need to dive into A-Day a little bit. Let's, let's dive into A-Day a little more. Um, obviously, you know... There's only so much you can say about a mid-spring scrimmage, reasonably. Does that stop people from saying a whole bunch? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Absolutely not. So we're, we, of course, are going to have our overreactions. Uh, and guys, I want to go around and I'll go first, but I want to hear y'all's overreactions of the, the day from Saturday. For me, all the quarterback worries are completely validated because neither quarterback looked all that good. Uh, and, and what got me was neither looked, you know, there was really no separation. Like it, both guys made some good plays. Both guys made some bad plays. Both guys had plenty of plays where it was in the middle where they might've done something good. And then, you know, the receiver dropped the ball or their O-line just didn't block for them. There was plenty of, you know, that stuff, but neither guy inspired much confidence in me, if you ask me and, you know. What do y'all think? Yeah, I think I think Jalen Milrow definitely looked good. Uh, my overreaction would be that he, I think he's the next Lamar Jackson. But okay. I mean, that's definitely an overreaction from that with, performance. That's a take and a half. Yeah, I mean that, that's what we're here for. But anyway, um, yeah, Saturday he had a few throws that were that were pretty good and pretty on the money that didn't really come up for him. But um, the one throw that I was kind of concerned with, uh, the, I 
can't remember where the it was on the field. But ghastly think, interception. Yeah, I think it were the, the one where they were backed up inside the 10. Right. And, and just chucked like from the back of the end zone. And a half yeah. And yeah. just throws it up to the middle of nowhere. That's a little concerning. That one, I think, is a throw that he doesn't make in the game, though. I talked about it with my dad in the moment when we saw it happen that, you know, I don't think that's I think that's a throw that he knows he's in a little scrimmage so he's just going to throw the ball away and he doesn't really care that much about getting picked off whereas in a game he chucks that ball into the stands. But if you're not going to do it in a game why are you doing it now? I that, mean, that's my worry. Yes, but that being said, I mean there was multiple style of play things that I think the guys went about differently than they would in an actual game just by the nature of it it being a spring scrimmage against your own team. You know, obviously you want to take a, some seriousness into that. I just I don't know if he makes that throw, you know, in the fall. Well, especially especially Milrow and Simpson. I mean, that that was more than a spring game to the two of them. I mean, that was yeah, their I mean, that was, was their coming out party yeah. and their I mean, that was their test. And I don't I don't think anybody really won or lost on Saturday. I think we were kind of just still left with okay, they're both good. You who's, know, you who's, know, who's who's just who's better? You know who won? The media members that want to talk about Nick Saban going to the transfer portal for a quarterback, that's who won. Because yeah. I'm not saying he's going to. I still hold we're the not gonna, Yeah, we're not, not going to do that. We're but not going to do that here. But the, the performance of all four quarterbacks lent credence to the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. It will, it will continue to be a talking point. They did nothing to dispel uh, all the guys who want to talk about, you know, is Alabama going to go to the transfer portal? Ty Simpson looked like the best quarterback we have. Uh, Dylan Lonergan looked like the second best quarterback we have, except when he pushes the ball more than 15 yards down the field, it's a noodle. It's a lame duck. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely a worry. Um, for me, I think you have to look at who gives you the best opportunity to open up the offense and go crazy with it. Um, Milrose, I, and, and, and it's Eli Holstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Don't throw down, my man. Um, no, right. I think I think Milrow is that guy, in my opinion. I, I Ty de- definitely looked better on Saturday, but when it definitely comes down to it, and there are people who know a lot more than I do and who can speak on this a lot better than I can, but when it comes down to it in college football, you want the your best playmaker out there, at quarterback, especially in today's game, and that's Jalen Milrow. And that's Jalen Milrow. No, you're right. Absolutely. And it's like we touched on with Jeff. You know, they're playing with one arm behind their back because they're doing what Nick Saban wants them to work on right. doing. And they're also, you know, they're playing two-hand touch football. They can't just go out there. The defense isn't allowed to tackle them. There's no point in them going out and trying to rattle off a 25-yard run, even though he kept doing that. Much to Saban's annoyance, if you listen to that press conference. Yeah, and I think it, it, my take on Saturday would be Ty Simpson is a quarterback that you can win with. Jalen Milrow is a quarterback that you win because of. And I think that that going into the fall in a season where, you know, Coach Saban kind of needs – not that he has to prove anything, but last year wasn't the greatest year for him. I so I think coming back, I think I think that we need to make a splash, and I think Jalen Milrow might be that guy. I completely dispel the notion that this is remotely a win-now situation for Coach because this is one of the youngest teams he's ever had. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a win-now. I'm just saying there's there's a little chip on the shoulder after what happened last year. That's fair. I think my only worry with Jalen Milrow is he might also be a guy that you lose because of with errant throws and poor decision-making and Good things thing. of that nature. Yeah, live by Jalen Milrow, die by Jalen Milrow kind of offense. And, you know, we, I did want to kind of keep it on, like, the negative tip for a little bit. But, you know, kind of transitioning to a positive of the offense, the running backs, man. 
The running backs look good. Justice all, Haynes. All of them. And yeah, t- Justice Haynes, man. Justice Haynes was killing it out there. Guys, for real. I mean, yeah, Justice Haynes inspired a lot of confidence. Jam Miller, Jamarian Miller, he looked great. Obviously, you know, the the little bit of Roydell and Jace that we saw, they were they were good. Um, but we I mean we know we got them. <laughs> They're seniors at this point. I think, you know, another that was I'm kind of gonna pinball around a little bit here, but that was a positive thing. Another negative, man. Jermaine Burton. Man, I, I want him to be great. I really do, and he just he has the dropitis constantly. I don't know if he wants to be great. I think that's the problem. Possibly. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was I at know. Pro Day, and he actually had a higher catch percentage at A Day than he did at Pro Day. Wow, which is saying something. Yeah, I mean, man, it's it's just it's concerning, and that's getting throws from the number one overall pick. Right. Exactly. Now, yeah. now going back to what you were saying about the running backs, I think it's definitely worth bringing up here with Jalen Milrow that. While there might be a little bit of live by Jalen Milrow, die by Jalen Milrow, if you look at what the Eagles were able to do with a better than average offensive line and a completely average set of running backs because of the way Jalen Hurts plays football, you know, you're always able to have an open receiver off the play action because you've always got to respect the run. And and if you play with eight stacked in the box, he is going to hit you on a deep ball or something of that nature. But the way, but he can establish the run if your running backs can't. Jalen Milrow is the is a similar kind of player. He's not quite as much power as Jalen Hurts is, but he's shiftier, he's quicker, he's faster. And we have much better running backs than the Philadelphia Eagles did last year. I was going to say, to your point, if, you know, sometimes a coordinator or a coach has got to look at the offense they have and, you know, kind of determine, okay, personnel-wise, what's going to work for us. You know, you got to wonder if Tommy Rees is looking at this room and saying, we could have one of the most dominant rushing attacks in the country, if not the most dominant. I mean, with Jalen Milrow in that QB room, or that QB room, that running back room, you know, if the offensive line steps up, and now that's a big if, that's a huge if, but if the offensive line is playing to their potential and playing like these Alabama teams of, you know, the past few years. Yesteryear. Yesteryear, yeah. Better than last year, hopefully. Um, You know, if the offensive line steps up and you've got Jalen Milrow and you've got that many great running backs, I mean, four running backs that would probably start anywhere in the country. You got to be salivating at the prospect of that run game. We'll see what they do with it. I'll be I'll be curious to see, you know, how they go about that. But you know, we're we're up against it. We're coming down to the time. Y'all got any final points you want to add in? Uh, no, I got I'm not much. Uh, just saying, I think Jalen Miller was the answer. Social media to plug, guys. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Aiden underscore Dollins. Tyler, where can the good people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, pretty much everything, at Tyler27Mains. And I've been Sep Shirey, and you can find me on Twitter at Septimus underscore 44. That's S-E-P-P-T-I-M-U-S underscore 44. You've been listening to Cup of Joe, a little midday madness. Filling in for Joe Gaither here, Sep Shirey, Aiden Dollins, Tyler Mains, signing off. Thank you, Tuscaloosa. You've been tuned in to Tide 100.9, your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports.